0: So this morning, we are carrying on our series, which is really from this trellis booklet. If you haven't got one, there's plenty at the back. Get one. Um, so we are carrying on this. Uh, this morning, I am actually got all my notes on an iPad for one of the first times, mainly because Joel decided to throw a ball at my cup and the cup to go over my laptop and break my laptop. Don't you just love Kids. I um, absolutely love kids. You can laugh, you know, you can laugh at that point. Um, so this morning we are, start, as I said, starting this series. And uh, I am going to be looking at community formation, community formation. But I want to kick off with a bit of a disclosure about this morning's sermon. And this morning's sermon's disclosure is that I am biased towards the church. I am passionate about the church. I don't believe the church is dead. I don't believe the church is boring or irrelevant. I believe God's church is the vehicle for mission. It was ordained by God and it was the perfect way to gather and send out his disciples. See, I don't know about you, and you're probably in the same as myself. Over the years, I've read many books about church. And not all of them, but a lot of them, is like they come with the lens that church is not suited for society, or it's outdated. But what if there's nothing wrong with Jesus' church, but there's actually something wrong with me? See, for me, the church is awesome. It's the it's awe-inspiring invention by God. And that's the disclosure, is that throughout this morning's sermon, it's going to be biased towards the church. Because I believe in the church, I'm passionate about the church, and I hope that is the case until I breathe my last breath. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be kicking off at verse 42. Like I said this morning, I'm thinking about community formation. And we went to this verse a few weeks back. And this is the foundation, you could say, it's the bread and butter. It's the start of one of the first communities in terms of church communities that we find in Scripture. And it says this, Acts chapter 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together at the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, many of us would have read and we've heard this scripture, and like I said, I've referred back to it a few weeks ago. But in this scripture, gladness, sincerity, unity, generosity, awe and wonder are all the words that can be used to describe the experience the members had in the first community, uh, which we could see as what is the church See, biblical community is the gathering of the followers of Jesus. See, we find community in lots of different places, don't we, though? We find it in the school. I am personally, unofficially, officially, unofficially a part of the PTA at Freddie's school. They don't really have one, but they do have one. It's like, a, it's like a weird situation going on. And so when I go into that situation, it's like five or six of us parents. There's like 450 kids, but only five or six of us signed up unofficially. officially. But it does us a lot of work, and all you do is basically arrange events and fairs and stuff like that. But there's a community, and I've got to know these five or six other people, and they're Freddie's school friends' parents, a lot of them. And we always speak to each other. Whenever I get the opportunity to take Freddie to school or we'll pick him up, we will speak to each other. And I see them in the shops. So there's a community going on. We, we've got that kind of community. We've got ho- community in our hobbies. We might have community with our neighbours. Or maybe not in current situation. But biblical community is more than that. And we know this. It is the, it's the gathering of the saints around Jesus. It's focused on Jesus. See, I love this verse because they came together and they were teach. They heard from the Bible. 2 Timothy 4 says that the Bible's there to encourage, to strengthen, to edify, to challenge, to rebuke, all these words. And actually, when we come together, there's an importance of opening up the Bible because it's the word of God. I don't know about you, but I open up my Bible daily and I read through it. Sometimes I just read a couple of verses. Sometimes I read more. But I read through it and it just inspires me. Even if I've read the verse 10 times before. And I want to try and adopt it to my life because the Bible is alive. It's, it's, a, it's, it's relevant for us today as much as it was when the first, uh, some of the first Christians got their hands on the Bible. Especially like the Old Testament and stuff. So, so, so they were teached. The people were taught, And then they, they, they had fellowship. They broke bread. And they prayed together. Like the things that we try and adopt in our lives as well. And the outcome is that they were in awe of God. And then they just they throw some miracles in the mix. You know, people get healed. Signs and wonders. I don't know about you, but I don't go to do the school or to do hobbies, and they say, "Let's pray for the sick." If someone says they're sick, no, because the first our community is different. It's focused around Jesus. It's a focus around some of these important things of these passages, but, uh, bits in Acts chapter two. See, we as disciples, a part of this community, we are not fans; we are followers, and there's a massive difference. Many of you know I love the football. When I go and watch Chelsea or England playing, I'm watching England Italy at the end of the month in Wembley, which is going to be interesting with the current climate. But we, when we go, uh, uh, we're going to be there and we're going to be shouting on at England and Freddie's really looking forward to it. Harry Kane, Harry Kane, Harry Kane. And, you know, if they do rubbish, we'll let them know how rubbish they're doing. If they're doing great, we won't let them know. But we're going to, we're going to be there celebrating. We're going to be cheering them on because we're a fan. But I'm not a follower of them. But when it comes to community around Jesus, we're followers of Jesus. It's so much more. You're not just cheering Jesus on. Go, Jesus. whoop Jesus. You know, it's like, no, I want to adopt. I want to follow. I want to become more like Jesus. And when I gather in the community, I want to do the same things that Jesus did. And we know when Jesus came to this earth, he formed a community, Right? He got around him 12 guys and then even bigger as time went on. But he got around him and he did everything for them. He walked down the road with them. They ate together. They discussed theology. They discussed the kingdom of God. But the disciples grew not only to Jesus, they grew with one another as well. And this begs the question... How are we doing at growing to know one another? In Romans, it says that we should be devoted to one another in love. This is Romans 12. We've got up here on the screen. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast what is good. Or my translation says hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour. Serve in the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. See, right in the middle of this, it's saying to the people that you should be devoted to one another in love. This is hard. How are we doing at being devoted to one another in love? That is what the community was about. See, we don't need a church which is compassion fatigue. But our hearts must be moved by compassion in order to move us to action. Action. See, what sets the church apart from any other religious group or, or, um, or group that we might belong to, whether it's a hobby or anything like that, is that we love Jesus and we love one another. And this is what we get in Acts 2. It's their love for Jesus. They want to break bread together. They want to pray together. They want to hear from the word of God. It's because of their love for Jesus. They want to be together because they love for one another. So if you could summarize it, it is a love for Jesus and the love for one another. But what is the opposite of community? Isolation. Isolation could also be referred to as, in one way or another, independence. See, our old nature will hide and self-isolate. See, when I or you when we don't feel loved, when we, don't, when we feel hurt or we feel disconnected or we don't feel as part of something, we hide and we self-isolate. And this all happened right at the beginning of time. Adam and Eve, they sinned. What did they do? They hid. They hid. And it says in the Bible, in Genesis, that God says, where are you? Just let you know, God did know where they are. It was sort of asking the question is like, what are you doing in many ways? What are you doing? You're hiding. See, we as people, living and breathing people, we carry baggage around with us, right? We have stresses, we have work, we've got family, we've got emotions, we've got past and present pains. And then when community comes together, it becomes a bit messy because we're messy. I'm messy, you're messy. We're not, we're not perfect. We've all got problems. Whether that's anger, greed, lust, gossip, relationship problems, laziness, jealousy, insecurities, pride. Pride. Stresses, fears, anxieties. And the fact is, if you don't think you've got a problem, well, that's your problem, isn't it? And then we carry our problems into relationships and we see other people in the community that we belong to, the Vine Church, we see them through their problems because we think we can see their problems better than they can see their problems. See, it's only the enemy of your soul that wants you to hide. And that enemy is Satan. It is Satan. And you know, Satan was cast down from heaven. He was cast down from a community. The devil was kicked out of a community. And in many ways, he wants you out of a community because he knows the strength of community. He knows if you stick into a community like this, you are more likely going to carry on following Jesus to the end. He knows that if, you, if you're being teached the Bible and it is edifying, it is encouraging, it's strengthening, the challenge. he knows you're more likely going to be a follower to the right at the end of the day. He knows that if you're going to meet in homes and hospitality and break bread and pray together, you're more likely going to be a follower to the end. So the Satan hates community. He was was probably one of the first people to be kicked out of a community. But we've got to refuse the attack of Satan. And grace allows us no longer to hide and isolate ourselves. When we feel That we need to hide because of sin or because of the baggage that we carry, we can know that a community of grace is here for us. And actually, we don't need to hide and self isolate ourselves. When we feel hurt and loved, no, we don't need to isolate ourselves and hide, but actually, we can come closer into the community. We have to fight together to stay together. I don't know about you, but I've realized nowadays it's so easy to float and not commit. People are no longer committing, are they? People don't commit into marriages, into families. They're not committing to their children. People don't want to commit. We don't commit always at work. What time do I finish? 5.30? Well, 5.30, I'll be out that door like, a, like anything. I'll be out and shut the door, turn the computer off. Actually, I'll turn my computer off at 30. You know, 4:55 to so make sure I'm out by five. We do the bare minimum. What if, what if, what if Jesus did the bare minimum? He had the same attitude. He went round his day and he said, "I'm going to stop there. I know there's other people to heal, but, but you know, time's off. You know, bare minimum." Because we don't, we like to float. We don't like to commit. Commitment is harder. But Jesus is calling his disciples to commit to a community that he invented. See, when we meet with Jesus, we're still in the world, but we're not part of the world. And therefore, our community is so different from any other community the world offers. And it's really unmeasurable. I just want to think about a few things. See, our community is cross-cultural. Jesus crossed every available culture barrier to announce and practice the kingdom. He went to the sick of the sick who no one else wanted to do anything. He went to the rich, to the poor. He went to the outcasts. He went to the fishermen, the tax collectors. He went to anyone. It was cross-cultural. It doesn't matter your past or even your present because I've got a message of good news. It's county-cultural. Jesus' message was different from the dominant culture message of that day. And it's different from the dominant message of culture of our day, isn't it? It's inclusive. Jesus created a community, like I said, it included everyone. There was no no specific person that could belong to it. You didn't need to have a child at a certain school. You know, you didn't need to have a certain amount of money or be able to windsurf or whatever your thing is. You know, it was inclusive, kingdom gospel centered. Jesus, the King, made the reality present that it was going to be kingdom centered. It was radical. Jesus' version of community was radical. That actually we would gather together. It was sacrificial. There was a willingness from the first disciples to even suffer for Jesus. People wanted to be with him. People wanted to serve him. People wanted to to help. People wanted to pray and teach and all this stuff. It was prayerful. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And it was missional. Jesus' movement was focused on mission. There could be so much more. But the community that God ordained was Jesus-shaped and Jesus-centered. Committing to being Jesus' disciple also means committing to live in community. Jesus' first disciples couldn't be disciples without being with Jesus and one another. So if you're not willing to be in community... There's a big question mark. Are you willing to be a disciple? A few years ago, probably about seven years ago now, I went to a funeral of a family friend. And it was back in Gloucester that he died. He died in old, old age, And I didn't know most people there. And I was talking to most people. Not most people, I talked to a lot of people. And uh, I got chatting to someone and asked them, do you believe in God? You know, you get these conversations in funerals quite a lot. And uh, they said, yes. And they said, but I'm a post-evangelical. And that point in my time, I didn't know what a post-evangelical was or what they were referring to. So I said, what's that? And they said, well, I used to go to church, but I don't believe you need to be a Christian and go to church. And I was thinking, that's interesting. You know, that's very interesting. And... um, and I was like, oh, okay. And then it got me thinking that if you want to get rid of the church, you probably also need to get rid of Jesus. If you want to get rid of the church, you need to get rid of Jesus. The church was not a human invention. It was not like fa- a thousand years ago, someone had a good idea. But the church was God's invention. You read through the New Testament, and you know, you could read it with one eye open and one eye closed, and you're still going to get to the place where if you're a disciple of Jesus, you need to be part of a church, a community of followers. You can't get around it. It was God's idea to have local gatherings of his disciples and to have the gifts of the work of the Spirit at work. He called some of us to be leaders, evangelists, teachers, administrators, encouragers. He called some of us to be helping the poor. It was God's idea that we would come together together you know, part of it is Ephesians 5, ministries, Romans, all these passages that talks about the gifts of the Spirit, that we will come together. See, we cannot recreate a church for our own personality, or we cannot even recreate a church to even win souls. See, we could quite easily, next week, said, if you come to church, I'll give you all an iPad. We'll probably have no money left at the end of the day, but, you know, we could do that. But that's not what God's called us to do. Right? There's many things we could do to recreate church to try and win souls, but would we actually be winning souls? But rather, in many ways, God has given us a mandate what the community should be like, especially in Acts chapter 2. And if we do that, are we saying that God's original church was not good enough? And you might say, well, Tim, things were different in those times. I read Acts 2, and they say stuff like, you know, they were in and out of each other's homes, they broke bread, they they met every day. You you say, like, that's 2,000 years ago. You know, they lived all together. You know, they basically had, like, homes on top of each other. You know, I wonder, would we say that to Jesus? You know, I just couldn't do it. You know, someone lived five minutes down the road from me. I think those people that lived at the time when this Acts passage was happening, I wonder if they would say to us, well, you've got cars. You've got it easier to do this kind of community stuff. You've got this, this, and this to do community stuff. See, like I said at the beginning, I have a real passion and belief that church is still God's answer to the world. It's still the community of believers coming together. It's still the thing of that actually we open up the Bible, we sing songs, we pray, we, we break bread, we do hospitality, we eat together, we have community. All these things we thought I believe in it because the church is God-ordained and it's the gathering of mankind around Jesus. But I wonder, is it okay not to see someone else from your community for like two weeks? We say, is that what God ordained, or maybe even a week? Do do you think that God's like think God's like, oh yeah, that's okay. You've got a busy life, but maybe you haven't seen anyone for two weeks inside. The Vine community, just putting it out there. See, Jesus is the good news to the world, and therefore the church is good news to the world. Because Jesus is the head of the church, we are the church, and we are his people, and we are a community. And I love that we are a community of people. And I want to encourage us to carry on being a community. Because this is where you find your, your place. This is where you find your purpose. In many ways, this is home. You know when you, you, you're at home, you want to provide a space where you can relax and you can be yourself. You want to provide a space where other family members or close friends can come in and be themselves. They don't need to be anyone. They can relax. It's a resting place. It's a place where you should enjoy and it's the same for, in many ways, as we gather, whether that's on a Sunday or life groups or one on one, whatever that looks like, it should be a place that we come and relax and be ourselves and come together. But we want to see Acts chapter 2 being outworked, right? We want that awe and wonder. We want the power of God to be at work. Start raining. I'm in process of um, building a shed. I got a shed delivered on Friday. Yesterday, I heard that it was going to be a good day. So started to move the shed and build the shed. And uh, I half, well, say half, probably a third built it. And it's squared building a shed on your own. And uh, so I started building a shed. And um, I get to the end of the day, and you want know, my screwdrivers? Both of them ran out of battery, and they take—they're quite old. They take hours to recharge. So, so I—I uh, I put it—I put them on recharge, but I don't get any more time. So I wrapped—I um, wrap a big sheet around most of the shed and all the bits to try and protect it. A couple of hours later, the big sheet has flown off, and it's not going too well. But I'm saying this story because sometimes we can take bits of the church and build bits of it and it's not the purpose it's there to serve. Like my shed, I could, you know, I could forget about the rest of it but it's going to be a rubbish shed because it hasn't even got a roof on at the moment. It hasn't even got a door on. It won't serve its purpose. And the same way in a church, we could take bits of it. I, I like the bits that we can eat together because I like to eat, especially if you're inviting me to a burger place because I love burgers. You know, you know, and and I don't want the prayer side. You know, and we might not verbalize this, but this is the the things that we're doing. Oh yeah, I like church, but I don't like the side where we've got to listen to the Bible. It's a bit, you know, it's a waste of 20 minutes of my time. You know, and every. Weak, this is unbelievable, Tim. You know, you know, but it's, it's not going to serve its purpose unless you build the whole shed, unless we take the whole teachings of Jesus about church and community, what it's meant to look like. It's not going to work. Does that make sense? You know, to, to, to another story is at the moment, uh, John, John, not John, Joel, Joel is being. He's hilarious at the moment. You know, he's at that age, everything's cute. You know, he does things for the first time. And I was putting him in the bath last night. And he usually absolutely loves brushing his teeth. And we always brush teeth in the bath in the evening. And I put him in the bath, it's time for brush teeth. And do you know what he does? He turns his face away. And it's it's like in some ways he's hiding himself. And he, like, he does this quite a lot, right? If he doesn't want to do something now, he will like, walk past you and don't look at you. He'll be like doing like this. And it's because he thinks, I don't know if he thinks that if you can't see me, I don't know what he thinks in many ways, but what he's doing is in many ways hiding himself. You know, some children, you know, Joel's on the stage at the moment, when they go to the toilet, and then, uh, toilet, go to the poo and in their nappy, they go and hide under a table. And it's, it's right back to our old nature, going back to that hiding and isolating ourselves. If we don't like something or, or, uh, or we've got too much baggage going on, we, we automatically hide. And it's like you've got to fight against your old nature to come part of this community. And let you know that the disciple of Jesus never, Jesus never said it was going to be easy. You have to fight to stay together. You have to fight to stay in community. You have to fight to even get up in the morning on a Sunday to get here. Or fight to get to a life group. Or fight to go and, you've said you're going to meet someone for coffee. You know, I've got to get up and do it. Because it's good for my soul and it's good for the other person's soul. Because otherwise, we can easily become lethargic, apathetic and complacent in the life of as a follower of Jesus Christ. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying that we should carry on being a community of people. We should carry on loving Jesus. We should carry on loving one another and be active in doing that. Getting to know one another. Of course you're going to get to know some people more than others. But it's our responsibility to do that. I'm saying that the church, the community of God was God ordained. It was God's invention. No one in this room made it up. You know, no famous Christian made it up, Justin Bieber or anyone like that. Didn't make it up. No one likes Justin Bieber. But no one made up. It was Jesus that made it up. It was the perfect community. And the way it was instructed was perfect. And that community has lasted 2,000 years, and it's going to last until he comes back. And we could come up with ways to do it in a different way. And some of them might be okay. But if we can't take away the things that we're meant to be doing, the things of stuff like eating together, breaking bread and prayer and teaching the Bible, you can't take that away. Because that's what's ordained by God. And that's what we will carry on doing as part of this community. So my prayer for us is that we embrace this community. We don't hide away or self-isolate because that is what Satan, the enemy of your soul, wants you to do. No matter how much baggage or how much sin you're in, do not isolate yourself or hide away because this will be a community that we should accept and love people and help people encounter Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Right? I'm going to pray for us. Father God, I thank you that God, you ordained a community. And I thank you that we are part of a, a bigger church that's going all around the world, Lord God. And I thank you for this expression of the Vine Church here now. And Lord, I pray that we would uh, be the community that you describe in the New Testament and in Acts, Lord God and that we would adopt these things in our lives, uh, not just to do it, but because we know that's the perfect way to do community. And Lord, I pray that it would be awe-inspiring. Lord, it would be exciting like it was in Acts chapter 2. It would be contagious. It would be inviting. And it would be Jesus-focused. Lord, and I pray that for each one of us, you would speak to us what this means to us in a practical level. and how we be part of this community even more so than we are now and lord i pray by your holy spirit that you'll work in our lives in jesus name amen